coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. We are a physical therapy focused company. We do have some wellness services, but under that physical therapy umbrella, you have sports rehab and you have concussion, all which you can treat under this insurance-based physical therapy model. But it's a fitness focused environment. So a lot of people think of physical therapy and they're going to think of, hey, you know, yeah, they worked with me and now I can just kind of go about my daily activities. Instead, you come to us with your goals in terms mm-hmm. of the physical activity levels that you want to reach or that you are accustomed to. And we kind of work in that gray area a little bit more. We're not focusing just on low level return to ADL type tasks. Our environment looks like a gym. It looks like athletic training tables on a certain mm-hmm. size. There is music. I would say that outside of that music, the environment is kind of a mix of athletic training room from college, which for anybody that's familiar with that, it's pretty social. It's kind mm-hmm. of enjoyable, right? It's engaging. There's a lot of different people on there. It's not, you know, an environment that you walk into and you're like, oh God, I have to go to the athletic training room today. So you got that and a combination of a barber shop and cheers. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Dr. Josh Funk, who is the founder and CEO of Rehab to Perform. Rehab to Perform is a fitness-focused physical therapy company that was actually recently named to the Inc. 5000 as one of the fastest-growing private companies in the U.S. So Josh knows a thing or two about building a company and doing it very, very quickly. So today, Josh and I talk about his path, his journey to building Rehab to Perform and how he's doing it so successfully and how he's growing it so, so quickly. Josh has great insights into building culture and marketing, and we get into all of that. We talk about all of those, those different topics and how he overcame a lot of hurdles when he was getting started. So if you're interested in the physical fitness or the fitness industry, this is going to be an episode that certainly is going to be for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce with Josh Funk. I would say a little bit chaotic, whether or not it was at my mom's or my dad's house, parents divorced when I was one, I had two younger siblings at each household. So, you know, between parents and siblings, there was just always a lot going on. It's a very extroverted household. There's not usually a whole lot of quiet moments and there's not a whole lot of small people. So there's a lot of food. So Yeah. yeah, I would say controlled chaos at times really wouldn't have had it any other way though. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you have any entrepreneurial exposure when you were growing up at all? I didn't. But you know what I thought was unique was probably more just the, you know, either military overtones, just with regards to both of my grandparents being in the military, one, making a a career out of it. I had a grandmother who was also an educator. I had grandparents who were coaches. And then just 
you know, various people, honestly, throughout my family that are athletes, both in high school and in college. And I think that there are some certain traits that were just kind of passed along with regards to just how you operate on a regular basis. And I would say overall that they probably just set me up to be somebody that, you know, is thinking in solutions, is thinking outside of the box and ideally doing enough of a a good job of being efficient and effective with communication to get people behind the, mm-hmm. these particular ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, couldn't agree more. And, and obviously with the, with the family members, with the athletic background, I mean, obviously you have to have extreme concentration too, you know, in that, in that regard. So, you know, that, that probably did set you up for, for quite a bit of success. So what happened after you graduated high school? Did you go to college and well, I, I see the Ohio state sign behind you. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, honestly, like I played a bunch of different sports growing up. I think when I counted, I played eight different sports. Wow. Uh, And I played three sports through high school, played football, basketball, and lacrosse. And lacrosse was my sport for college. So I was fortunate enough to play lacrosse at Ohio State. What I would consider, and I know not everybody agrees with it, the kind of the mecca of college sports, just with regards to how many sports are there, and what yeah. is provided the student athletes in terms of the student athlete experience, but had a tremendous time there. And honestly, that was where I figured out what I wanted to do, at least from a profession standpoint, I got hurt my sophomore year. And okay. like many athletes, you know, you, you feel invincible. You feel, feel very, very much bulletproof for a large amount of your, your career, as long as you've been able to stay healthy. And that was my first major setback. You know, I was unable to lift my arm up. It was very challenging for me to to do certain just lower level tasks, let alone just playing a sport. And I was given a diagnosis of a torn labrum, torn rotator cuff, and mm-hmm. was told that I would need surgery at the end of the season, but that I could try to play throughout the rest of the season. And it's really where, where I just fell in love with the mix between rehabilitation and the performance side of things, obviously with, with the company name Rehab to Perform, but kind of seeing things a little bit more gray as opposed to these silos of, okay, I'm in rehab world. Okay. I'm good to go. And I'm focusing on performance. Obviously I had some amazing mentors there, whether or not it was the head PT, you know, Janine Omen, some of the athletic trainers, our strength coach, especially, you know, coach Troy spent a lot of time with me and really just loving the environment and, and then going to the marketplace and seeing, oh man, all of the commercial models are very, very medicalized. They're very sterile. Mm-hmm. And they really, to be quite honest, are underwhelming. And it allows environments like that. And, and then what was getting delivered there, healthcare becomes a grudge purchase at that point. Yeah. And, and I wanted to find a way to ideally not make something that I enjoyed so much a grudge purchase. Okay. So, so you're, you're basically focusing in on, on rehab. Is that, is that, would that be yes. fair? Yeah. Okay. So Physical therapy is yeah. what we what we do. I would say in terms of the primary offering. Got it. Got it. And so what 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 did you do? Like you obviously saw this gap in the market through your own experience. How did you get that started? I mean, you know, you're, you you could hardly lift your arm. What were some of those first steps that you did to to start start the company? To start the company, you know, you, you always have to do an appraisal of self and you have to be very honest with yourself in terms of where you are and then where you need to be. And, and you figure out the where you need to be part, honestly, through hopefully reaching out to, to other people that maybe have walked a similar path. And mm-hmm. 
for me, going through PT school and I went to the University of Maryland for, for physical therapy school, we had a heavy focus on the clinical side, but very, very little on business. So mm-hmm. that being said, I was like, you know what? I still have student loan debt and I don't really understand the business side of, of my profession. I need to spend some time working for private practice owners. Yeah. So I went and worked for two of the better private practice operations around where I grew up. I worked on my craft, became a better PT. I learned more about the business side of things. And eventually I got to a certain point where I would say that I had three things aligned very, very well, at least with regards to where I wanted to be. I call them the three C's. You've got your intellectual capital, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the, you know, almost like your IP, so to speak, or your knowledge for your profession or knowledge for business. I had the financial capital, both the, the knowledge surrounding finances of the business and, and then taking care of things on a personal finance level so that I could bet on myself. And then you have the social capital piece, which, which honestly is sometimes the most critical because you could be great at what you do. You could have your finances all in order, but at the end of the day, if nobody knows who you are, what you do and how you solve people's problems, it, it really doesn't matter. So that, yeah. you know, people think of sales, marketing, when I think of marketing, I think of just market relationships. Do you have enough market relationships to get out in front of people so that they think of you? Mm-hmm. And, and so when you were just starting, you mentioned that you were in a, a good financial position because I think that that's where a lot of entrepreneurs sort of stumble, where they, they, they never feel like they have enough to, to be able to get started, right? There's always something else. So I, I, you know, I have to buy this for myself or the, the kids need this or whatever it is. How did you set yourself up where that wasn't a concern for yourself? I think a big part, honestly, was probably related to how I lived in graduate school and decisions I made in graduate school. In the beginning of grad school, I was told not to work. I was Mm -hmm. told to just focus on school. Well, I don't really listen all of the time to everything that people say to me. So Mm -hmm. I worked throughout graduate school. So I chose to have an income. I did a lot of different things. I played lacrosse. So I delivered camps and clinics to youth. I worked at the campus gym, which was work study, which is great because it's non-taxable income. I worked as a personal trainer, a small group fitness instructor as well. I had a small period of time where I was a server. And in addition, I was very, very fortunate to be able to play two years of, you know, professional lacrosse in the national lacrosse league. So earn, earn an income there. So that is tremendous given the fact that most people were just kind of at a null, right? I was having net positive with regards to what was coming in. And then in terms of my expenses, I did a really, really good job of making sure that I put myself in a situation where expenses are minimized. So I lived in a little bit of a compromising area in Baltimore. I had the smallest room in the row house that we were living in, which was other graduate school students. You couldn't even open my door fully because it was running into the bed in my room. I could not open my computer chair all the way away from the desk. It was pretty much a closet. So I was paying a very, very, very negligible amount for my base living expenses while I was there. And obviously this led into other frugal ways of just approaching some of the lifestyle purchases that people think that they either need or want on a regular basis. Then my third year of school, you can choose to take clinicals where you're paying for housing. I only did my clinical rotations in places where I had free housing. 
So it was another way for me to limit expenses. So grad school choices were significant. I only graduated with about $38,000 of school loans where I had peers of mine that were graduating with on average three to four times as much that I had. And then I graduated and I said, Hey mom, Hey dad, do you guys mind if I bounce back and forth between your houses a little bit for a year? And that was huge as well, because when you're finally making, you know, a decent income, and once again, for the second straight year, you do not have to pay for housing. It makes a big difference when other people are paying a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month for for their housing. So, you know, it allowed me to really chip away at loans. I didn't pay them all off in the first year, but I did pay them off within two years and was also fortunate through a uh, first time home buyers program to have saved up enough money to purchase a home about 15 months after graduating from school. But what was I doing in addition to my day job? I was working side hustles. Mm -hmm. So I was still doing camps, clinics. That was actually when I started my first business, which actually was a full-blown lacrosse services company. And I was also still doing personal training and small group training. So I was working a lot, but it was getting me somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And and the the company, the lacrosse company that you started, Again, how, how did you get involved with that? Obviously, you had the, the background in lacrosse. What was, what was the, missing, the missing element that you were providing to the market? I think at the end of the day, just where I was in Maryland, there was not a tremendous amount of people mm-hmm. who were able to, A, play at the level that I was able to play at. Most of the parents that were having their kids play, much like my parents, had never played the sport. And there was just an opportunity there. And I, it really started, honestly, just with, couple private lessons, couple small group sessions for people kind of around the area that, that I grew up in. But there was a time in graduate school where I had over 90 kids at a summer camp wow. where I was like, you know what, there's, there's something here. And I just ran a camp and here's how many kids we served and here's how well it went. And obviously there's a, a monetary thing associated with running that camp. So just looked at an opportunity through the relationships that I had developed and was fortunate enough to be able to start a company called Lax Factory. There were club teams camps, clinics. We did tournaments here and there, but those were kind of the, the biggest three offerings that we had okay. going on. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And, and did you sell that company? Do you still have it? What's the... I passed that company on in 2018. It honestly just got to a point where, once again, I went to graduate school for physical therapy. Yeah. Somehow, the you know that kind of like passion and something that was maybe a little bit more of a casual side hustle did turn into something bigger. Eventually, we ended up serving 240 kids through the club teams wow. alone on a yearly basis with boys and girls. And honestly, it just got to a point where I was unable to keep the quality that I had wanted to keep. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. 
and you know try to make an informed decision on another opportunity, another opportunity for these people to be served by somebody who is solely focusing on, on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that the point when you leaped into the physical therapy business then? No, I actually, so that was 2018 where I transitioned that on. I started rehab to perform in December of 2014. So I cut the cord at my day job while still doing Lax Factory and was kind of doing both for a little while. Mm -hmm. So there was about, it was the end of 2014. So I'd say probably about three and a half years where I was doing both and, and rehab to perform just kept growing. My day job just kept growing. And I think for me, Obviously, going to grad school, being incredibly passionate, I think there were some things that lifestyle-wise where it's a little bit easier to focus on things that are going on and during the middle of the day. The, the nice thing about a lacrosse services company is that it's on the weekend and the evening. So from a side hustle standpoint, they're complimentary, right, okay, yeah. but it, was, it just gets to a certain point where there's, there's no hours in which you can't do things or have people think that you're available. And that gets to a point where because of the scale it weighs on you. And, and it got to a point, as I mentioned again, where my focus was going so much into rehab to perform the lacrosse thing was growing so much that I was unable to really focus on delivering as much quality as I could on the lacrosse side of the house. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, so the, the rehab company, you are, you, you started this and you said that it kept on growing and growing, growing. What, what was the, what was the growth factor that you were using how did you how did you get it to grow so quickly because you guys you guys have made the inc 5000 list now correct for rehab to perform yeah Yeah. we were on the inc 5000 last year i think we were number 57 in the in the dmv area which includes dc virginia maryland and actually delaware i don't know when this podcast is going to drop but i think it's going to be after this particular date so i can share it right now we just made the inc 5000 again for back-to-back oh, years congratulations. and we actually yeah we actually are higher on the list so i'm super excited about that you know last year as i mentioned we were 57 locally mm-hmm. and then we were 1201 with regards to everybody in terms of private companies in the united states this year obviously with us being higher locally i think we're probably going to be higher on a regional level hoping to have cracked the top a thousand, but we'll, we'll see. We, we don't have that information yet at this point. They yeah. only have the regional numbers out. That's amazing. That's great. So, and, and you just started that in 2019, right? So you've done all that. You've, you've made, you've made the well, 5,000 and rehab to perform started in December of 2014. So I remember I oh, had 20, that, okay. I okay, had that it, three and a half year period where I was doing both. And then I transitioned lax factor on in 2018. So I would say that it's been nice to fully devote all of my time, energy, and attention to rehab to perform for about almost three years now. Okay. Got it. Got it. And two of those three years, you know, you're, 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 you're already getting uh, accolades for that growth. So that's, that's fantastic. Yep. Yes. And sorry, not to interrupt you, but I just feel incredibly blessed. We have the right people. And after a year, like we had this past year, we have the right people, the right seats on the bus. So we're, we're thriving right now. So how did you how do you find those right people and and how do you know they are the right people in the in the right seats? That's another one of the big problems that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is you know finding finding the help finding finding people that can take those challenges and run with them. I think this is going to go a bunch of different directions and some of it is luck, some of it's timing, some of it is strategy. I would say it's more likely a collection of all three. 
the first person that was on our team at R2P actually was there day one of the company starting. Okay. I had somebody that went through grad school with me, Dr. Zach Baker, who is still with us, mm-hmm. who I convinced after he had had, I think his first child, maybe for four, she was maybe four to five months old to leave his job <laughs> for something that he really didn't have a whole lot of guarantees with. Yeah. His, his wife was understandably concerned. I wrote him a check for each month for three months. And I said, I've got December, January, and February here. There's enough money in the bank for these first three months. Yeah. After that, there's no guarantees. We got to make this thing work. And he yeah. took a chance on me. So, you know, your, your, your first hire, I mean, it, it could not be better. We are very, very yin and yang with regards to certain things. And I think that contrast has been extremely important to us really just getting off the ground and making sure that there were certain things that were considered or thought about or you know manners in which things are are, are, are completed or, or the operating of certain aspects of the company so that was a mix of luck in terms of meeting somebody at school somebody taking a chance on me having enough touch points to feel confident that i was worth taking a a, a chance on mm-hmm. and then after that you know, we were very fortunate to have two other PTs, one who came in and had a brain more surrounding, you know, compliance. She was a lot more black and white with regards to how she viewed things. It was good because Zach and I sometimes are very good at improv and, and shooting from the hip. And it, it was nice to have, once again, some contrast with an area that neither of us had, had strengths with. Then we had Jared Boyd, who just, once again, was another person who had certain strengths and, and really with those first four, you know, you, you're, you're, you're growing, you're messing up, you're finding solutions, you're working through issues, and you've got a great foundation. And, and other things that I would say that we had in place were a catchy name, cool logo, and some really, really uh, effective branding early mm-hmm. on. So, mm-hmm. you know, there were several times early on where people would kind of look up and they'd go, is this a franchise? Is this like a corporate office? And we'd go, no, we've been here for seven months. Thanks though. So I think there were certain, some certain decisions there that definitely helped us out a little bit, but outside of that, a big thing that is a central part of our company is our internship program. So we created an internship program kind of within that first, maybe 18 months where Mm -hmm. we would start to have high school and college students spend some time with us and learn a little bit more about healthcare and learn about the profession. And then we took it a step further which is the, the rotations that I mentioned that I had in my third year of school, where we started to have DPT students. Our first DPT student that we ever had was an absolute home run. So from wow. a professional colleague of ours, they said, hey, go check out Rehab to Perform. You might want to do an internship there. It's a great place. you got great people. You'll learn a lot. And Anthony Anarino is still with us to this day. He actually just took the lead at our fourth location where he is the the site director kind of running the show there. And once again, for some reason, we were attractive, right place, right time. You know, he had a a good enough experience where he saw himself having a a career here and, and, and doing some things with us. And then the two people that in addition joined the company at about the same time as him are also running some of our other locations and they're amazing people. And once again, I mean, it's a, I, I would be, I would be lying. And I know this is right. We're talking about secret sauce yeah, and this, that, absolutely. the other, but 
for, for one reason or the other, um, life was very kind to, to myself, our team. And we've just had some just tremendous people join us in terms of some of those, you know, you call them your originals or your OGs or whatever you want to call them, but we're, we're blessed just, just, just to have them. So I think once again, when you look at it, it's multifactorial, it's luck, it's timing, it's the brand, it's things that are getting communicated, it's the energy, it's the environment. Some of these things that obviously are, are controllable that I think we've been intentional about over the years, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I mean, we, we've definitely uh, struck gold with regards to the luck side of it. Yeah, that's great. Talk a little bit about what Rehab to Perform does so the listeners understand what, uh, what you guys are into. For sure. So we are a physical therapy focused company. We do have some wellness services, but under that physical therapy umbrella, you have sports rehab and you have concussion, all which you can treat under this insurance-based physical therapy model, but it's a fitness focused environment. So a lot of people think of physical therapy and they're going to think of, Hey, you know, yeah, they worked with me and now I can just kind of go about my daily activities. Instead, you come to us with your goals in terms mm-hmm. of the physical activity levels that you want to reach or that you are accustomed to. And we kind of work in that gray area a little bit more. We're not focusing just on low level return to ADL type tasks. Our environment looks like a gym. It looks like athletic training tables on a certain mm-hmm. size. There is music. I would say that outside of that music, the environment is kind of a mix of athletic training room from college, which for anybody that's familiar with that, it's pretty social. It's kind of mm-hmm. enjoyable, right? It's engaging. There's a lot of different people on there. It's not, you know, an environment that you walk into and you're like, Oh God, I have to go to the athletic training room today. So you got that and a combination of a barber shop and cheers, right? Okay. Everybody's saying hi to each other. There's connectivity made. It's a very friendly environment. Maybe at times it's, it's a little bit loud, but it certainly does not make you think of the typical white wall, closed office, bland, mm-hmm. grayish, light tan type of environment medically, where then people are, you know, potentially just being shuttled through. Oh, yeah. so-and-so saw me for a short period of time. So we spend 25 to 30 minutes with of one-on-one time with people. We have an environment that obviously speaks to them and allows them to do certain things. And then from an education standpoint, here's what I would say the biggest differentiating factor is outside of this, some of the optics of the space and the environment. But you come to us with your problems. You come to us with your goals, your ambition. And it's up to us to kind of build out your curriculum. Your curriculum is going to be different based on your starting point and your ending point. And your curriculum will include plan and process. Think of us as a consultant. What do you do with a consultant? You come to a consultant with problems. They look at things, they assess things, and then they work on implementation and solution. So that's where we come in, where we're this consultant, so to speak, with regards to your lifelong performance goals. Interesting. And now are you are you guys also a, a gym, I guess you could say also? Do people only go to you when they need physical therapy or do they... Do they come for physical therapy and then stay on for the workouts afterwards? Or once they're you know to the point where they are, do they move on? What, how does that work? So as we transition, you'll probably spend more time doing, you know, either you can call it therapeutic exercise, which what we call it internally, or your, or your medical fitness block, which is kind of the, mm-hmm. the end of your session. You'll start doing some things where we're building upon competencies and we're building capacity. So your ability to do things 
at a greater level, faster, longer, with something that's heavier, et cetera. And eventually, because we have so many community partners, usually we're tagging people out to one of those local community gyms. We do have a, a post-graduation, and we do call it graduation, but we have a post-graduation program where sometimes people can almost have like a virtual coach. That's mm -hmm. called R2P+. We also do have a golf fitness program. And then we've just started kind of, you know, rolling out this recovery services program where you, if you think about like the Michelin man, like compression pump boots, mm -hmm. we've got the vibrating guns in there and some stretching apparatuses to ideally allow people to continue to maybe get some maintenance or recovery work in with us on a, on, on a, you know, somewhat regular or for mm -hmm. some people a monthly basis. Very cool. Now, are you, are you franchising? You mentioned earlier that, you know, it's, it, people are asking if it's a franchise. You're not franchising yet, correct? No, I always say we want to think like we're a franchise and yeah. that we want certain things to have systems, processes, and repeatable outcomes. But we're going to operate more like we're corporate so we can move quickly, right? And we can appreciate the fact that there's nuance or that there's certain things that aren't going to require this automated and treadmilled approach. Yeah. Uh, and ideally, we're super, super, super connected with the community, too. So we're not not just dropping something in and just letting the machine play like we want to be involved and integrated in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And how how do you outreach to the community? How do people find out about you? For sure. You know, there's five different areas that we do that. So oftentimes with the medical side, you know, you'll think that you only need physicians or an orthopedic to refer people. But because Maryland's an unrestricted direct access state, it's very, very easy for us to develop relationships outside of medical because majority of people that do come to us actually don't have a physician referral. Mm -hmm. So they will put themselves in a situation where they can make decisions on their own. So what we focus on then is the relationship side in other areas outside of just the physician orthopedic. We focus on youth sports. We focus on schools. We focus on the business community. We focus on the fitness community. So all of these different kind of hubs, so to speak, have people in which are incredibly connected or they have influence on those communities. And we just look to get in front of people, ideally deliver value, more focused on wellness or preventative or maintenance of, of true health in, in the instance that at some point, you know, the more that we're delivering value and we're connecting with these people and we're offering our thought leadership, the more likely they probably are to think of us when yeah. something does, does pop up. Yeah. So you're, you're, uh, you're basically marketing your knowledge, marketing, you know, the things that you know, and, and, you know, training, training people basically as you, you know, as you uh, go out to those different areas yep. or, or, you know, giving them knowledge and, and uh, teaching them. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, yep. If somebody want to learn more about rehab to perform, what would you say is the best way to, to get in touch with you guys? Check us out on rehab to perform.com. We'll have a new website out very, very shortly. And then rehab to perform that is at rehab, the number two perform on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Oh, very cool. And, and of all of those different marketing channels or, or social media channels, which ones are working best for your company right now, would you say? That's a good question. I would say that Facebook is tremendous, at least in terms of marketing to our current or previous clients or patients, mm -hmm. however you want to coin that. And the reason why that is, is we have a very good Facebook group. It's very involved and we're regularly putting content into that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I would also say that our ideal, our ideal target 
is the person who typically is the same, you know, demographic as Facebook. So for us, and I don't think it's any secret, women are tremendous decision makers when it comes to where people are going from a healthcare and wellness standpoint. They are the family decision maker for the husbands, the kids, the in-law, whatever. So, you know, that, that demographic is typically more on Facebook. It's not to say they're also not on Instagram, but Facebook is a, uh, you know, is a tremendous source of connectivity for us. I would say outside of that, we do have digital marketing ads on Facebook and Instagram and mm-hmm. Google, which all provide us with the opportunity to, uh, to get in front of people. LinkedIn is probably more professional facing. So more of like what I'll call our internal voice, where we are speaking to colleagues and other people Mm -hmm. that are uh, kind of doing some of the same things that we're doing. And then, yeah, when you talk about Twitter, I think it's an area we're spending a little bit more time. Admittedly, I'm probably spending more time on there than we're trying to, you know, create content in terms of at least that that channel. Yeah, yeah. No, this is fantastic. Josh, I certainly appreciate the time and uh, congratulations with making being 500 for the last couple of years. So hopefully you'll be able to notch it up a few more even next year too. Hey, cross my fingers and yeah, just feel, feel blessed to be in this position. No, it's fantastic. Congratulations on all the success. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.